Warning, the following content is not politically correct. Viewer discretion is advised. Alright, welcome back to the channel today, everyone. So I got a great guest, especially if you're in the state of Georgia, an important guest. Um, but a couple things off the top I just want to mention. Um, I just had an article released in Human Events today um, about the Dylan Mulvaney stuff. If you saw my video last week, um, go check that out. And then um, all my sponsors and links and stuff are below. You guys know uh, what to do. They're just uh, in the in the in the link section down in below uh, so could definitely go check that stuff out but um i'm gonna get to our guest now hello right. what's going on ted so for those of you that don't know um the guest is ted metz who is the libertarian candidate uh for secretary of state in the state of georgia welcome and ted thanks for joining well thanks for having me sarah uh this is yeah. my third statewide run on the libertarian ticket 2014, I did insurance commissioner because I am uh, uh, retired from the insurance business. In 2018, I ran for governor against Brian and Stacy. And here's a repeat. And frankly, I came in third in 2018. It wasn't a bad showing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I uh, that was the first election that I could vote for in Georgia because I, I moved here at the end of 2017. So I do believe that you were my one of my first libertarian votes in the state of Georgia. So I, cool. I, I remember you. And then when we met a few, like back in January, I think at Catherine's house, it was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd met at Catherine's prior to that, but yes. Well, that was my, I, I, so my first time being at Catherine's house was last uh, New Year's Day. So, um, and actually, I, I will just mention this too. Catherine Bernard is running for state house um, in DeKalb County. I can't remember what the number is. I believe it's 83, Brookhaven. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's how me and Ted kind of know each other. Um, uh, Political circles. <laughs> yeah. Political circles from the um, Liberty crowd. But so you, you mentioned that you've, run three statewide races but do you want to just kind of go in and give like what your political background is like with your uh, being in the libertarian party whether it's like you know where your uh, philosophies came from like were you former democrat republican just kind of give us a background okay well <clears throat> I, I really didn't pay much attention to politics prior to 2012 really um 2008 Actually, I started starting um, diving in to get a little bit better idea of politics because that was, of course, you know, our first black presidential candidate. And he sure talked a good game and talked about all the things that were of a concern to me, like <clears throat> uh, lobbyists, excessive lobbying and, and, you know, wars and all this thing, all these marvelous pie in the sky campaign platforms that were obviously a ruse. Um, and that's really when I started, started getting into it, um, uh, you know, because after Obama's swearing in, everything changed and, and, and things started to go to go to crap. I don't know if I can't use four letter words, so I'm going to be real careful not to not to interject <laughs> my, my military background. Well, 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 don't don't do it on my account because I don't mind it on my channel. But um... <laughs> well, still, we might want to share this with with some more conservative folks. All right. Exactly. So anyway, after that, I was I was somewhat disappointed, and then I got real interested. Well, 
I wrote, I voted for Ross Perot. You know, I thought that was an interesting concept to be able to vote for someone who's not part of the inner circle, so to speak. Yeah. And of course I was listening to Ron Paul back then, but didn't really pay that much attention to him until, until after, um, the 2008 election in, in 2010, I got more, more solidified on understanding the whole voluntarism um, concept. And in 2012, I actually infiltrated, infiltrated the, uh, the GOP in Cobb County, along with a bunch of other friends, basically to, to campaign for Ron Paul for 2012. And several of us actually got uh, elected to positions within the GOP. I was the 37th precinct chair and the third vice chair of the 13th district. So, you know, we, we did infiltrate and we did do some good stuff. But all in all, the establishment GOP uh, would not allow a candidate that wasn't their chosen to have anything to do with um being a presidential nominee, especially not Ron Paul, someone yeah. who wanted smaller government, you know, ending the Fed and all these other wonderful things that we still need to work towards. So I, I did that in 2014. I was still in the GOP. A good friend of mine who had come in with the Ron Paul movement had moved to the Libertarian Party, and I happened to be at one of their one of their meetings, and they were discussing. Uh, that they really wanted to have a replacement candidate for their insurance commissioner candidate. And I thought, wait, I can, you can, you can do that. You can substitute a candidate. And we talked about that with, with professor David shock, who uh, I haven't seen in a while, but anyway, basically under the rules of uh, with political bodies, such as the libertarian party, they can nominate libertarian party nominates their candidates at the convention unlike these two main parties that have taxpayer funded uh, caucuses, essentially. Yep. So we fill out the paperwork. I got on the ballot for insurance commissioner. Again, I'd been doing insurance. Uh, my first license really since high school, but that's another story. So that's what, that was my first, um, that was my first statewide campaign. It was my first campaign ever. I had been running campaigns for other candidates. I ran two two uh, campaigns for Derek Grayson for Senate, uh, one as an open seat and one as a replacement for Johnny Isaacson. Mm -hmm. And I got to learn the ropes, especially around the GOP and how the news media has their marching orders to only focus on certain candidates and how several of the uh, big names in, in political um, journalism in Georgia basically said, we're only going to cover one Democrat and one Republican because we don't want to con confuse the voters. I can't remember the actual name of the, of the person who came up with this concept of not confusing voters, but you know, 57 flavors, of ice cream at, at, at Baskin Robbins, but only two people on the ballot. So once I did that, I, you know, I, I got into the libertarian party. I was the libertarian uh, party of Georgia chair for two terms. In 2018, I, I did run for governor, and you know how that outcome was. And since the 2018 election, I've, I've still been really active in, in other uh, endeavors of activism, especially in the cannabis space. A lot of people know me from yeah. the cannabis space, hemp and, and medical yeah. and, and recreational and all that sort of thing. Actually, so, so are you are you going this weekend? 
going to Aviva's event, at the Halloween event this weekend. Um, I, and I, five points? I, have, I have the invitation pulled up Saturday morning. I've been a member of, of the Madison Forum for a number of years. Saturday morning, I've been invited to um, go to the Madison Forum. Of course, I'll get uh, a little campaign speech, but but Ambassador Randy Evans is going to be their guest speaker. And uh -huh. actually, if you look at Randy, I'm, I'm actually older than Randy. And because people like that age very quickly after they sell their soul to the devil, he looks to be about 80 years old. And it's amazing how much Brian Kemp has aged since he took office. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. But that's another story. Yeah. So I may or may not go to, to Aviva's event. She has invited me. She's begged me to come. So, <laughs> well, we'll I am speaking. I am speaking. Oh, that's why you want me to come. I got it. <laughs> well, that's how I know about it. I, I, I did the flyer for Aviva and uh, I, and she asked me to speak. So this is one of the, this is actually the first time I'm speaking um, on something that's not like my normal uh, cultural issues. I'm actually speaking about cannabis and stuff like that. So it's going to be good. Interesting. She'll probably get me up on stage too. Um, that's, yeah. that's something else. Like, like right at the beginning of my campaign, um, some people know that I've been doing activism for uh, 10 years or better. And I had a, a YouTube channel called Operation Educate that, that has been a long-term channel. And the day after the primaries, YouTube terminated my channel. So all of my live stream activism and such, yeah. gone. Uh, like, like I've had probably 700 videos, gone. All, all of the videos, of course, are um, I have in, in my seven or eight terabyte storage but uh you know trying to get them loaded back onto a channel has been a been a been a feat so anyway um <laughs> i i've had lots of videos on cannabis and me talking about cannabis and 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 actual like committee hearings where one of the one of the best things that ever happened in my cannabis activism is one particular committee hearing i basically said that i've lived here in georgia over 40 years and i've never had a problem finding cannabis you know, you passing this medical bill isn't isn't gonna isn't gonna lead to having recreational cannabis because we already have can recreational cannabis in Georgia. Well, and of course they were guffawed at that. Then during the actual um, reading of the bill on the floor before the vote, this is like Haley's Hope Act version two, I think. Um, somebody on the floor says, "Yes, but if we pass this bill, we're, it's going to lead to recreational." And Alan Powell shouted out. We already got recreational here in Georgia. Let's just pass this bill. So, well, well that's what's interesting because um, I've seen a ton of cannabis from political insiders in the Republican Party here in Georgia, and yet they still won't pass it. <laughs> well, here's the you know the the I'm still behind the scenes on all that as far as you know. Um, I can't mention any names, but. Yeah, same here. Um, all, all of that stuff. And essentially what it, what it boils down to is they're still trying to divide the pirate kingdom up among the pirates in the legislature as to who's going to get the lion's share and, you know, who, who gets to, you know, run, run the show and such. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, it's, the, it's the corrupt back wings of stuff that, you know, how it's going to happen. If, if, I, if I could win the lottery and, and have about, you know, $10 million to take this to the Supreme Court. If you'll recall the history of, of, of marijuana in, in the United States, 
it was prohibited um, with the Marijuana Stamp Act of 1937. And that basically prohibited people from, from growing cannabis without getting a federal stamp. And of course, as soon as they got a federal stamp, the feds would be in on them, closing them down. So in, in 1969, Timothy Leary actually was heard at the Supreme Court and they removed this, the Marijuana Stamp Act of 1937 as a violation of the Fifth Amendment. You know, your right to, to not self-incriminate. So immediately right after that, of course, you know, the Nixon administration had had a bill ready called the Drug Enforcement Act of 1970. So the bottom line on all of this is that, if you'll recall, it took a constitutional amendment to prohibit alcohol. Yep. They need, from, from a constitutional perspective, the prohibition of marijuana also requires a constitutional amendment to prohibit it. So all this other stuff is yeah. just BS. We're, yeah. fighting, we're, fighting the, we're fighting the codes and the regulations rather than the basis of the law. And that's our mistake. Yeah, yeah because what, what, it, what they basically do is because they wrote a law that banned it, um, states can override that via the 10th Amendment. And that's why they really can't go after states that have legalized it in recreation, you know, recreational or medicinal. Um, well, that's reason one. But the other basic reason is because they didn't pass a, 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 an amendment, a constitutional amendment, yeah. formally prohibiting it. Well, that's why I mean that's that 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 plays into it, yeah. Because um, alcohol, they they formally prohibited it, so states couldn't go and do it. So it fell under the it, you know, cannabis falls under the Tenth Amendment, whereas alcohol fell under what the Twenty First Amendment. Well, that was the amendment that I think it was the twenty twentieth that or nineteenth that prohibited, it and the twenty first that repealed it. If, oh, yeah, if I didn't have so much stuff on my desk, I'd, I'd, I'd get my <laughs> constitution and look it up. I know. I'm like, wait, is was it 19 or 20 was women's suffrage? I think it was it was 19 was women's suffrage and 20 was, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, After you get past 14, they all kind of become like a whatever. Well, there's <laughs> others in there that, that, that should have never have been passed, like, like the Federal Reserve Act, the Income Tax Act, the 17th yeah. Amendment. That, that gave direct election to senators, I think was the worst thing that happened to our government. That was that was probably the biggest linchpin that has led us to the point we're at now where we don't really have state representation in in Congress. It's a bunch of yokels who are, who are elected to represent the corporations that fund their campaigns. Absolutely. And, and that's what's interesting too is, I mean, I think a lot of libertarians um, that are more constitutional libertarians, not like the complete anarchy side of things, but would be more, you know, constitutionalists would be more like, you know, Bill of Rights plus five uh, are the ones that it's kind of like, okay, that's where after, after the 15th is kind of when everything started to go, except for again, giving women right to vote. Um, that's, um, that's an important one, but it could have been passed on, it could have been argued under the, uh, the equal protection clause of the, of the 14th or the 12th amendment. I mean, so, well, by the same token, never, women were never really barred from voting except in some yeah. states. Well, that's what I mean. It would I would kind of like to have seen the continuation of, of the way it had been where if you own you had to own property in order to vote that way you know women that own property could vote and blah 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 but that's another story that that women were considered property 
as children are still property. So that's another story that we're having that fight right now about, you know, the children not being the property of their parents. Therefore, they have no yeah. control. Therefore, you know, public schools teach them whatever you want, yeah, whatever they want, whatever agenda. That's a, yeah, that's a that's that's the big fight right now. And I, I don't that's where I spend most of my time is um, talking with um, organizations that are trying to help kids and, and, you know, fight back against the Marxist agenda that's happening in schools and stuff like that. But let's get back to your race. Um, All righty then. <laughs> yeah. So you're running for secretary of state. Why did you, why did you um, go for the secretary of state? Why did I go for secretary of state? Well, the one of the reasons is because I have been, uh, uh, I guess, kind of not necessarily, I've been a long-term member of, of Garland Favorito's group called Voter GA. And I actually started filming Garland about 11 years ago, um, not long after he and a couple other folks successfully got the toll booths removed from highway 400 at 285 mm -hmm. so that's you know that's that's when i really first started getting to know garland and i got to know him more and more about the election stuff um and he started his voter ga after kathy cox implemented the diebold direct recording election equipment because there is no record of voter intent so i guess it was eight nine nine legislative cycles ago that i started following Garland around and started recording all of his presentations on, on all the different problems with the Diebold direct recording equipment and how it was not transparent. And, and there was no audit trail. There was no verifiability. So he'd been arguing that for years and years. I started helping argue that at least five years ago, actually at the committee hearings, you know, demanding paper ballots, mm -hmm. people counted by people like, hand-marked paper ballots, counted by human eyes. And then what we got instead was, was this Dominion system. Yeah. So with the Dominion system and understanding that the Dominion system, the only good thing about it is that we do have an actual record, a paper record of voter intent, even though it's printed by a machine, that paper record is actual physical evidence of voter intent that can be audited. Yeah, And I'll get to that in a second, but the reason I'm running for, for Secretary of State is somebody else wanted to run for governor more than I did, and this seemed to be the perfect opportunity for me to share my understanding and my, my, my knowledge on, on the voting system that I've obtained over the last seven or eight years. On mm -hmm. top of that, I've spent about the last 20 years in, in computer science, you know, internet technologies, and database administration, so anything about the system... And, and how the votes can be manipulated and and the results that we saw out of the 2020 election through the ballot image scans and, and the associated files that go along with them. We have we have provable evidence in the in the data records itself that there that there was manipulation going on in the 2020 election. We have proof, for example, in Fulton County alone, the hand count ballot that that, that or the hand count audit that that Brad keeps saying, well, we did 100% hand count audit, but what he doesn't tell you was the results. In Fulton County alone, there were 17,447 more votes cast than there are actual ballots. Impossible. 60% yeah. of the ballot tally sheets 
were were erroneous in in Fulton County during that audit. Uh, it, it you know indicated like ten, ten at least ten thousand fraudulent ballots, and at least that many more actual um, counterfeit ballots. Wrong paper stock, obviously printed by a ma machine. Oh goodness gracious! And then and then of course there's all sorts of other things that that were wrong, just in the Fulton County 2020 uh, hand recount that Brad says, oh we did 100 percent. And, and many other counties, about 120 other counties, as the result of their hand count audit, found that they could not get any of the numbers to match. They couldn't yeah. get their ballots to match the cast vote record. They couldn't get the cast vote record results to, to match with the Secretary of State's reported results. It's a mess. So, yes. Yeah, and that's what's interesting. You know, I don't know how Brad Raffensperger was able to survive um, a primary. I really don't. Um, I was working with Republicans in the in the primaries, and nobody was really excited about bread. And I know a lot of Republicans who aren't excited about bread. You know, it's like they don't trust I was, him. Like most of the Republicans I was completely. So what you're basically telling me is you're the MAGA candidate in this race. <laughs> um, I am. I am the ultra MAGA candidate. And <laughs> if if I had one of my ultra MAGA hats closer by, I'd pull it out. But or, or my Trump flag, but. Um, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous that, that, that it has, the, the thing is we have all the evidence and we have tried repeatedly to get the evidence heard in open court at every yeah. trial, every attempt, the evidence has not been presented due to a lack of standing or latches or, or some other technicality. Same thing happened with all of the, the uh, lawsuits that were filed on behalf of the 2020 Republicans. Yeah. Of, of the very few um, suits that were actually heard in court, all those suits were won. All the rest of the suits weren't even heard. They were thrown out on standing or thrown out on latches or some other technicality, even though the left continues to claim that they lost all those lawsuits. They didn't lose. They never were heard. Yeah. Among other things. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's obviously the big, the big thing that we deal with when it comes to the secretary of state's office, our elections. That's like the most important job you have as secretary of state <laughs> to make sure we have free and fair elections, but it's not the only thing that you guys do. Right. I mean, you guys are in charge of um, the DMV, right? Is that, is that, no. is that no. the case here? No, no business <laughs> licensing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's different. Um, here. Charity, charity organizations, um, mm, uh, uh, investments. Okay. And, and a few I mean... other small things. But the thing is, let me tell you that according to the law, the Secretary of State is actually just what you pretty much consider a yeoman, you know, mm -hmm. the scribe. They're supposed to maintain records and make records available and certify records and such. They really don't have any authority to do anything elections. The elections, according to all Title 21, is the election code. If you look into Title 21 and then also um, the um, duties of, of the Secretary of State in the Georgia Code, he's not, the Secretary of State is not in charge of elections. He's only in charge of, of final certification of the collection oh, okay. of, of the things that the counties. Um, come up with the counties are in charge of elections. That makes sense. 
Yeah, and, and and the, you know all these reports we've been fighting in counties to try to get them to go to paper ballots, and they keep saying, "Well, the Secretary of State's office says that's illegal, or it's against the law, or this and that, or are all these things that are coming out of the Secretary of State's office without the authority or or the or the force of law to back them up?" But the county administrators have no idea that that they are the ones that are authorized to run elections as they see fit. The only thing in the Georgia Code in Title Twenty One. That, that, that gives the Secretary of State any, any authority at all is whether or not if, if a, an electronic voting system is used, it has to be the same system used statewide. That's the okay. only thing in the law that does anything. And I could go on and on about all the different ways that the rule of law Brad has, has, has broken the law in as much as, number one, uh, the, the Curling versus Raffensburger case. Judge Totenberg clearly spelled it out for us that under Georgia code, ballots have to have a certain characteristic in order to be to meet the legal re requirements to be a ballot. The ballot marking device under Georgia law can only take select uh, elector selections and print them out in human readable form. With they do not tabulate and they do not compute. Well, the ballot marking devices have a computational function in that they create a non-human readable QR code. Yeah. And the QR code being on, on, on the ballot invalidates the ballot as being meeting the legal requirement for a, a legitimate ballot. So all of the elections we've had with the QR code on them are actually void elections because they weren't carried out according to the law. Moving forward a little bit more... The thing is, Dominion sent sent the Secretary of State's office a memo saying, we we know that the, the, our, our ballot marking devices are not compliant with, with this section of the law. The tabulators also under law are supposed to tabulate based on the human readable form. The tabulators are reading the QR code. That's another violation of Georgia law. That was also pointed out in the me memo to the Secretary of State's office. So Brad Raffensperger signed a contract knowing that the equipment being sold by Dominion did not meet the requirements of Georgia law. And also under the Georgia vendor code, Tucker, will you stop it? Under the Georgia vendor code, vendors are, 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 are um, mandated to make sure that any products sold to the state meet state law. So the contract for the Dominion system ab initio you know from the get-go is 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 null and void or avoidable um because it doesn't meet the compliance requirements under the vendor code or under georgia law so you know day one yeah i'll be talking to a judge and, avoid the and, yeah, contract get get the ballot marking devices will work fine to actually give you a printout that can be read by humans yeah. Get rid of the tabulators. Get rid of the QR code. Excuse me. You goofball, okay. stop it. <laughs> okay. You unmute. Right, you are fine. <laughs> well, I don't know. He always does this to me, like on podcasts. It's like, oh, yeah. It's after dark. He knows it's dinner time. All right. So that's a couple of stuff. Um, so. In the debate, I'm sure you saw the debate. You saw where Brad was saying, I'm all about the rule of law, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, I yeah. just gave you several examples of how he's broken the law. <laughs> the uh, ballot drop boxes were not a legislative act. Therefore, that's against the law. And he broke that law. The signature yeah. matching requirements for absentee ballots, the waiver of that and the entry of a dissent, a dissent decree, also not legislative, therefore also illegal. And we can just go down a litany of things where, where Brad is um, so full of crap that he should be um, preparing for for some time at the federal pen, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, so you, you you mentioned some of the other stuff. Now, what was the law? Now, the law was passed last year. The voter SB two hundred two. Yes. What what did that change in terms of what like you're, you're mentioning here as well? Like what what are the well SB two hundred two actually SB two hundred two um, put the drop boxes inside the uh, election centers inside the county elections offices, so they're no longer like out in the street, unobservable. Um, it did tighten up ID requirements, even though you can still bring it like a power bill or something in uh, mm -hmm. to prove ID. Uh, the Not other thing it ID. did, and if you don't have a photo ID, you can use it like a bank statement or, or a, a power bill. Okay. <laughs> Which in my opinion, isn't that great. Um, it it, it kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, the other thing that it did, it, it clarified campaigning at, at precincts, mm -hmm. wherein uh, no candidate can hand out candidate-branded swag within 150 feet of, of the election. And from that, all the leftists are going, oh, you can't even have water. It's not about the water. It's about you can't have a campaign branded mm -hmm. bottle of water in line, just like you can't wear a T-shirt with a candidate's name when you walk into to the poll. They'll kick yeah. you. They'll kick you out. Same thing. And with, if I, with the water situation, it was like if I if I'm remembering correctly, is sit. the the polling location can give you water as long as it's not a campaign that's giving you the water sure you can bring your own water you can bring your own cup yeah. as long as it's not campaign branded yeah so i thought <laughs> so yeah i mean and that's that's some of those things it's just it, it, it makes it we got 17 we still have 17 days of of early voting and and now not only saturday voting but sunday voting yeah, yeah. so um kind of going into what we were talking a little bit off air. So what does it look like right now for your campaign? I mean, what are the poll numbers showing and everything? Cause I know that you and chase were both pretty high in the polls comparatively to past elections when it comes to libertarian candidates. So what's going on there? Well, I don't know if you've seen any polls. The only one I saw was a landmark poll that was done on October the 12th. Uh, okay. It showed in the landmark poll. <laughs> That uh, showed me at 8.5%. Mm -hmm. There is a poll in the Walton Tribune. And I don't know how they're doing their poll, but but in the Walton Tribune, which is Monroe and, and out that direction, uh, I was polling it. I'm currently polling at 75%. Wow. So the question is, you know, who are you going to believe? The other thing I know is that, yeah. you know, under under the GOP loyalty rules, you know, if you're a member of the, of the party, you can't you can't support a candidate who's not a, a party member. Mm -hmm. But I've I have so many 
uh, party members whispering in my ear, I'm voting for you, but I can't tell anybody. <laughs> that also is kind of uh, a damper on, on campaign funding because they, they yeah. can't have the, the money show up in, in, in the campaign reports that, you know, cause you know, that, that'll, that'll keep them from, from getting the invitation to the cocktail parties, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, but it's, again, it's interesting because I know a lot of, it's the same thing. I know a lot of Republicans and a lot of Republican organizations that are like, I'm voting for Ted because we don't like Brad. And, and um, I mean, I think a lot of people trust you and they, most people, and again, most of these organizations believe are, are more libertarian minded. It's still hard to get out of the two party system um, when it comes to actually getting stuff done and that's and that's why we continuously push and, and try to get so if you can have a good showing this it's huge it's a huge deal I, I i hope if i don't win outright which you know i don't have i'm not insane i'm not gonna win outright <laughs> I, I do hope that that i outpace either one of the other candidates enough to be in the runoff because at that yeah. point suddenly now the media is going to be forced to cover my positions yeah and yeah yeah and i mean you, we i mean like you said you haven't really seen a poll since the uh since the debate performance right so no, it wasn't it was before that it was october 12th that's what i mean yeah so that that could have been a huge bump a lot of people may not even even known you were on the ballot until that point um which is an issue with you know the way that they run debates and stuff like that in and of itself but that's another another topic, you know. <laughs> you know, it was the GPB. I, I had um, spoken to them a couple of times, like, why don't you have the debates before um, bef before early voting starts? Mm -hmm. And you know, basically pointed out the Hunt Hunter's laptop from the last go round, and, yeah. and apparently somebody listened because we actually did start the GPB debate series before early voting started so yeah we're making progress yeah, I mean, on that's, that part that's a huge deal because i mean i've already voted so it's like i, I most people want to get get done get it over with and and what's that's what's one of the great things about what we have here in georgia is we have what three three and a half weeks to vote <laughs> which in my opinion is, is way too much uh yeah what most people don't know is like of course i'm i'm, I'm a data guy so i've been going through data for forever actually started my data run in like 2014, starting to look over the voter data and such. Mm -hmm. uh, out of all the precincts that we have in Georgia, the average number of voters assigned to a precinct is 1,200. 1,200 voters to, to a precinct. Sounds and we good. also know that only about 60% of the registered voters actually vote. So we're, we're looking at, at maybe 850 voters that show up on, on election day for, for at a precinct. It's not an overwhelming number carrying this crap on for like 17 days prior when you still have no excuse absentee ballots uh, is, is, in my opinion, a huge waste of resources. And when you look at how many people actually show up, it's, it's still a small fraction of, of the total number of voters. There are yeah. 7,900,000 voters in Georgia, 899,000 of the, of the voters are marked inactive. So we're really looking at a voter pool of 7 million, uh, 4,000 and some, but they're not all going to vote. The other thing that we know right. is, is that we have 
our the other big issue right now is really our voter rolls. What we found out is that there are several organizations that claim to be uh, all about um, get out the vote and reg voter registration that have direct access to input information into the ERIC system. If you may or may not recall that one of the results of the audit in after the 2020 election was we found almost 90,000 voters with a false registration. There's, you know, somebody, somebody went yeah. in and inserted a bunch of people in, then they all had 2017 registration dates, but you try to find them in the actual 2017 data. They're not there. Yeah. They're ghost voters. So yeah. the, the voter database can be manipulated by third parties who should not have access to them in the first place. And you may or may not know that, that, that Brad signed a no bid contract with, with a MTX, which is a, a subdivision, a new subdivision just created under Salesforce to move our voter registration database to the cloud. And he says, oh, it won't get hacked because it's like on a military grade server. It's like, is this guy an idiot? And he spent three and a half million dollars to do this out of one side of his mouth, out of the other side of his mouth, we only have six investigators in our office to investigate voter irregularities and we don't have the budget <laughs> to hire more. Okay, on one side, you don't have a budget to hire some people to actually clean up you know, election irregularities, but you can spend three and a half million dollars to, to make our voter database even more vulnerable than it is already. Wow. It, it, I mean, Somebody posted a video of him speaking Chinese at a, at a Chinese Republican event begging for votes. Um, there are some speculation out there that he has strong ties to um, the CCP, which is how he managed to win his election through data manipulation coming from servers in Wuhan. Oh. Same thing with the Connect. You know, are you familiar with Eugene? You and his recent arrest yeah. and the whole time. I didn't know thing. about I didn't know about it. I didn't know about his recent arrest. I I saw him speak in an event when I was uh in the primary. So. You that was a different Eugene U. Oh. This Eugene no. U is, is 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 a Chinese guy. I think the Eugene U you're thinking of, I believe, is Korean. But I know oh. I know the Eugene U that you're talking about because yeah, I campaigned with him also. Yeah. <clears throat> like like in 20, 20, 13 or fourteen. Yeah, fiery guy. He was he was all fired up. It was great. <laughs> <clears throat> you vote for you. You the best candidate. Not you, me. You. You the best yeah. candidate. <laughs> so this other Eugene U is, is is again a different, a completely different guy. Okay, I don't um, know. I don't know what, you, what you're referencing then. <laughs> okay, well, Connect is is a company that 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 does. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name from True the Vote. He and Catherine Engelbrecht, um, gosh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank on his name. They they had been digging through all kinds of data and found records of over one and a half million poll workers on a Chinese server. And these records included all kinds of personal information, children's names, birth dates, all kinds of stuff. And and that ties back to Connick. K-O-N-N-E-C-H. And it's a Chinese company that, that 
one of their things. It's like a customer relations management software package specifically mm -hmm. designed for municipalities to use for all sorts of different purposes and personnel management and such. And DeKalb County just uh, a couple of weeks ago voted to continue their contract with Connect. And, and actually it was California that, that issued the arrest warrant because they found that he had breached their data. Was, oh, was that part of the Eric Stallworth, Stallworth <laughs> spy situation? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, it, it just, if it's out of California, it's, it, it might, I'm like, huh? Cause uh, yeah, he was the one that was sleeping with the spy. So yeah, that's, that's actually Swalwell. Swalwell, well, yeah. <laughs> I, there's probably some connections there somehow. So I, I'm sure, and and then there's you know there are a lot of other, there are some really deep ties in in our um, Georgia government to the CCP, and you know I don't want to get shot, so that's all I'll say about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta stay alive so that you can fix our uh, fix our system and fix the elections. Not fix them, but actually make them correct, and so that we don't have the voter fraud situation. <laughs> That's and and here's here's a good thing. I have I I I know a lot of people in the election integrity space because I've been doing it for a while, and a lot many of them are retired and and like like huge data analysts and cybersecurity experts and 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 you know poll managers that were that were fired because they were blowing the whistle about twenty twenty two. So I have a, I have, I can completely restaff the secretary of state's office. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of people that have worked on uh, the election integrity stuff. Um, I think running as well. I think, um, I think it's Jake Evans who was, who was bringing lawsuits um, about people that didn't even live at locations where they were voting at. Stuff well, like we're that, doing the so. same thing in, in Gwinnett County with with Mary Bell and and Mary Bell Hodges and Kim something. Uh, you may have seen something about that. I was actually there when they delivered thirty seven thousand five hundred sworn signed affidavits about mm -hmm. twenty thousand voters that did not live there, along with 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 actual national change of address information deeds and titles from other states where yeah. they had sold their property in Gwinnett and have a new property in Florida or whatever state. They had rock solid, solid evidence of, of 20,000 voters that shouldn't have been on the rolls. Yeah. And, and Gwinnett County actually started removing them. They got 6,000 of those ghost voters off the rolls before some group allegedly loosely tied to Mark Elias and those guys that came in and shut them down. Through intimidation, they actually shut down the, the Gwinnett County um, Elections Board from, from completing the purge of the 20,000 sworn affidavit with evidence voters that shouldn't have been on their on their list. Yeah, and that's part of what we've we saw a lot with like the Democrats and stuff in the last few years when they've been trying to you know go after brian and 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 everything like that and they're like you're purging all these voters and these are legitimate voters that you're taking off the rules and it's going to hurt actual people but in reality like you're talking about it's all these people that one they hadn't even voted in like the last what five elections or something like that and then two, then the other thing is all these these sworn affidavits that you're saying that 
no, we're going to take these off, but they're, they were trying to block even even those. It's... Well, on people who've actually, you know, registered in another state. See, that was kind of like the point that Eric was supposed to do is, was being able to tell if a voter in one state has moved to another state and registered in another state, even though we have plenty of evidence of about 10,000 voters who have moved and registered in another state, they're still on the road in, in Gwinnett County. Yeah. Yeah, and that's going to happen, obviously, which is why you have, like, I mean, people are going to die, people are going to move, and, and all this stuff, and that's why you have this situation where you have it set up to where, after so many years, if you don't vote in one of our elections, then you're going to, we're going to purge you from the rolls. Um, right, and, and that really stops. they're used. That, that's unfortunately, they're using, a, they're trying to push a national law to try to fix that, which is not the way that our system's set up at all. The federal government only has has domain over federal elections. Yeah. Everything else is, is under state control. And mm -hmm. even furthermore, uh, elections in the state are really under county control. The yeah. state doesn't have any say in what the county does other than the type of election equipment used statewide. Um, yeah. But getting back to the Eric for just a minute and, and, and yeah. that, I forgot what the point was. The, the original sales pitch about the eric which is election uh was electronic registration information center that's what eric stands for okay originally the intent that it was sold under was to maintain a list of voters to be able to cross-reference who's moved out of state and registered in another state that was their original purpose and and just like you know the inflation reduction act that's not how it worked <laughs> Yeah, that's never how it works. <laughs> so what else do you want to ask me about? Well, I, I was going to kind of just say, too, I think, yeah, with that, it's like any any time that the government um, names a bill something, you can bet that it probably does the opposite. Like so the Patriot <laughs> Act. Yes, we could talk about the Patriot Act because, yeah, I mean, it's it's not very patriotic because it, it takes away from our... Uh, it's a violation of privacy, but um, no. So actually just kind of, um, I didn't know. And I, I might have known this, but I had forgot. So you served in the military. Um, and United so States Navy. Oh, you were in the Navy. <laughs> I was in the Navy. I was, I was, well, the, uh, the actual rate was, was, is named aviation fire control technician. Yeah. And what that really is, it's, it's, it's a glorified computer person. Um, because all, all of the armament systems on, on, on aircraft these days is computerized. Yep. So my, my, uh, my function was to make sure that when the pilot lined up the heads-up display on the target and hit the pickle, that his weapons delivery was right where it was supposed to be. Yeah, so. okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah, because I was, I was a logistics officer in the Army for seven and a half years, so that's usually... Um, it's usually interesting. I love, I love talking to other veterans and stuff too. And I, like I said, I think I'm, I may have known that, but I don't, I wasn't putting that together. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully we get you to a runoff, um, and get you in it, but hypothetical situation. If you don't make the runoff, um, you have a tremendous power that you can wield though um and that is an endorsement of the other two candidates um how will you use that power to push liberty i guess 
Well, I, I'm being completely candid in that there is no way I could endorse either the other two candidates because okay. we already know that, you know, the, the, the current, the incumbent is a psychopath. Yeah. And, and so is the Democrat opponent also a psychopath <laughs> and, and also, uh, you know, not only, not only that, it's all, she's also a propagandist because she's still going on with the, with the idea that SB 202 somehow was detrimental to the rights of voters yeah. and you can't have water in line and all this other crap. And believe it or not, that has already been litigated. It's gone to federal court. All these things that they claim is, is, is wrong. Um, in a, in a lawsuit called uh, Coalition of Good Governments, Coalition for Good, Coalition for Good Governance, versus um, Brian Kemp because he was the one that signed the bill. So that's a very interesting. If you want a copy of that, I'll send you a link. But here again, a federal judge has already gone over all of the all of the points that the Democrats keep going on and on about, and the the ruling of the court was that. These are all reasonable. They're, they are they are equitable. They they do not cause any any uh, harm to anyone. They don't interfere with anyone's voting rights. And actually, if the idea is to make sure that our elections are secure and only citizens can vote, this was the best law he's ever seen. Okay. Okay, but uh, you know the power that I can wield afterwards, the same kind of power I've been wielding from behind the scenes to point out the violations of the law. I have, I have a small list right here of, of some of the laws that have been broken. Ooh, oh, you, yeah. can't see it. you know, I got pages and pages of, of, of printouts like this, where it's just like law after law, you know, the provision of the law, the code section, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, and how it's, how it's being broken. But again, if I am not elected, I'm going to do immediately go, and find somebody to help me file a suit to void the Dominion contract and also to nullify the results of an election held on illegal ballots, as has been done twice in Georgia history. Okay. And then if that doesn't work, then we're going to kind of like put together a coalition for the advancement of the Battle of Athens 1943 version 2. Okay. Yeah, I think that's good. Because like I said, I, I mean, it is kind of interesting because you're right. I mean, I couldn't imagine having a Democrat in charge of our state with what they want. And then we know Raffensperger, what he, just how bad he is. So like, that's when I made the joke earlier. Like you're the, you're the MAGA candidate here. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because you would be the furthest right person on um, that that's out here. And I think that's one of those things is even if, um, you know, you're not able to win the election, um, I think a lot of Republicans have heard your message and, and hopefully they'll be willing to work with you um, to get things, you know, get some of these things passed through legislation and, and, and change the laws and, and help, you know, support you in that regard. Well, it's not necessarily changing the laws. What it is, it's, it's, it's com making the laws comply with the constitutional mandates of the state constitution and the federal constitution. Yeah. Um, you know, just because I'm a libertarian does not mean that I'm not a conservative. 
Yeah. And, and I don't want to be labeled really as a conservative. I want to be labeled as a restorative. I want to restore the same rule of law and the same spirit of the law under which the Constitution was written by our founding fathers. One of my, one of my areas of special study was the American colonial period. And what a lot of people don't understand is that our whole basis of law and our entire system of law is based on English common law, which has its beginnings after the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Everything is about uh, getting rid of the kings, limiting the power of the kings, putting, putting liberty and freedom in, in, in the lives of, of the people, limiting their ability to tax, limiting their ability to make you serve as, as a soldier, all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, the whole thing about common law and, and tort and liability and, and sovereignty is something that, that we have been brainwashed away from. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's still my mission. And, and again, if I'm not elected, I'm going to do a lot of stuff, including um, <clears throat> being in with an organization that is going to show people how to get out from under the jurisdiction of, of the state and the federal government being a, a, a people instead of a person. You know the difference between being a people and being a person? Uh, a person is, is a legal fiction. You know, corporations are persons. Whenever you get a letter that has your name in uh, all capital letters, that, that's, yeah. you're, you're a corporation, you're not a people. So <laughs> once, once you learn how to be a people, they can't, they can't use the, um, you know, the un uniform commercial code or, or any of the legal codes and regulations and stuff because they don't apply to people. They apply to corporations and persons. So that's, that's my next endeavor. Should I not win? Oh, well, of course, okay. if I do win, I'll be pointing that out. But yeah. getting to like one of the most important things that the Secretary of State under the law is charged to do is, is making sure that the information is put out to the public about legislative acts and, and, and other such. One of the things that kind of hindered the uh, Libertarian Party at the get-go of this election cycle is the redistricting maps, even though they were decided upon and, 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 and voted uh, you know, the signed in, in the law by the governor, the maps weren't actually available or posted until about six weeks after the election cycle started, which screwed yeah. our entire petitioning capability. And yeah, we were in the primaries. I'm going to work really hard to change ballot requirements in Georgia. For those of you that don't know, a, a third party or an independent candidate has to get 5% signatures from 5% of the voters in that district for that for that seat if it's u.s congress it's about 25 to 30,000 signatures we have six weeks to do it and it's impossible third parties also have to pay for 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 a hundred percent of their um qualification fees which vary from like state legislatures about 400 bucks but u.s congress u.s senate and and executive officers in the five thousand dollar range and if you're paying that as a party, that's like $5,000 you don't have to campaign with because you have to spend it up front. You get that 75% of the money back. Political parties only have to pay the state 25% of that fee, and they get to keep 75% in their campaign coffers from, from, from the day of qualifying. And that's not, that's, not, that's not 14th Amendment equal protection under, under the law. 
Nope. Uh, I, if, if we're going to petition, ballot petition, we still have an active case of, of ballot petition signature requirements in play. The Supreme Court um, did not grant us certiorari to to hear the case of our ballot access in Georgia. So it was kicked back down to the U.S. or I mean the Superior Court in Georgia. So we're going to be still fighting that. Yeah. But we shouldn't have to have any more petitioning requirements than a Democrat or a Republican. It should yeah. be equal across the board. And yeah. having more candidates in the race, either independent, truly independent, or, or third party would change the game a lot in Georgia and, and nationwide because the only voices we have in Washington are, are psychopaths in the red or the psychopaths in the blue. And we, we're at a, we're at a uh, quagmire. It's, it, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. So if, if, if worst case scenario, I will make sure that ballots or petition signatures can be gathered online right through my voter page. There's no reason <clears throat> that they're still using yeah. and buggy technology when they're doing everything else with with computer technology. I mean, if you can apply for an absentee ballot online, why the hell can't you do a petition signature online? The reason? Good point. Voter oppression. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're right. And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that is one of the big... Uh, that's the, one of the big ticket items for libertarians in general um, is, uh, you know, ballot access reforms and ballot access laws. Like, so as secretary of state, like how much control do you have over like ballot access? Um, like to be able to do that um, almost unilaterally. I actually think there's, there's a, there's a lot of uh, leeway in that because uh, every time we've had a candidate, we've, we, and since, since I've been doing this, <clears throat> we've had three candidates actually satisfy the ballot signature number requirement only to turn them into the secretary of state's office who disqualified like half of the signatures without actually saying why, you know, not, not, not giving any feedback as to why they, they were disqualified. So, you know, if I was secretary of state, somebody turns in 10, 10 signatures and they're valid from the right district, from the right precinct. I'll say, okay, yeah, that's fine. And, and let them, and let them get on the ballot. Uh, otherwise, you know, keeping, keeping third parties and independents off the, off the ballot, not only is tyrannical, in my opinion, it's also viol violative of, of the 14th amendment. Yep. And, and yeah, I, also I mean, think it's a form of voter suppression. Absolutely. is. I mean, it, I mean, and for the parties that, you know, scream about, like you said, voter suppression and want to scream about, you know, democracy, they don't really care about democracy when it comes to actual voting. They still like the two, the two can the two party system because it benefits them. Did, did you see the debate? Did you see my debate? I didn't see your debate. No, I didn't. All right. Well, my one of my closing statements was if 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 you ever hear a political candidate or a journalist talk about America being a democracy, you need to stop listening to them immediately because America yeah. is a representative republic. A democracy is fifty one vegans and forty nine carnivores arguing over what's for dinner and the rate we're going, we'll all be eating crickets. 
<laughs> Stop electing psychopaths. I I like it. I like <laughs> it. Well, well, Ted, uh, we're coming up to just cross that hour mark. So where um, where can everybody find you, find your uh, info? Where can they go and support you? The best place I would recommend going to my website, which is tedmetz.com, T-E-D-M-E-T-Z.com. And I have a lot of things right there on, on my homepage, including links to videos. One of the most important videos you can see is the taping I did of a presentation by Professor David Clements, mm -hmm. who was the first professor to be canned by a major university for refusing to wear a mask. Back at the COVID nineteen um, kickoff, yeah, he went. He's a he's a, a law professor, and he's been collecting evidence against the Dominion system um, since it was first implemented. And he has a fantastic presentation that illustrates every different component of our voting system. It's not just a tabulator. It's not just the ballot marking device. There are so many more parts and pieces to it and so many interplays, inter internet connections and all this stuff that if people really understood how all of that stuff was, was tied together, you'd, you'd be demanding paper ballots counted by hand as well. So that's right on my homepage at tedmets.com. I'm not asking for a donation. I'm just asking for your vote. <laughs> and that is, uh, that's, a, that's great. Um, definitely so, go Mets, vote. Go regrets. vote for Ted. Vote for Mets, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you again for joining. Like, like I said, um, early voting is currently going on in the state of Georgia. Um, I'm guessing it is in most states across the country. So go vote. Um, go vote your conscience, um, whether, whoever that Principal be. Principal over party. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs>